Madeline Langle, the author of A Wrinkle in Time, has a has a house in the Catskills that she and her husband often used as a refuge retreat from their apartment in Manhattan. Behind the house, she had constructed this little garden with a bench near a mountain stream, and she used this place for meditation, a place just to sit and listen to the healing sound of gurgling water, be at peace, and meditate on Christ. One year, her daughter gave her an icon, a simple square painting of Mary holding Jesus on her lap, and, and Madeline took it up to the Catskills and erected a little alcove on the side of the tree in her meditation garden. It was just what that little retreat needed to give it some prayerful focus. The next spring, she went up to open up the cabin with her husband, and as she was walking out to her meditation garden by the stream, she noticed that the icon was missing. It was lying on the ground in pieces. Picking up the pieces and piecing them together, she realized that the icon had been shot with a gun. Someone had taken out a pistol at close range and fired a shot right through Jesus and and left the icon in pieces on the ground. And, you know, in some ways, not that big a deal, but Madeline struggled with that event because it was so characteristic of the way that evil works. She wrote, it just invades our sacred spaces in our lives. It, it destroys that which is precious to us. Often it is anonymous, silent, and invisible. It just strikes out and makes us feel hopeless and helpless, like there's nothing we can do to protect ourselves, and especially nothing we can do to protect those who are precious to us. You know, the followers of Jesus had that kind of moment after the cross shot down and shot at. The evil has stolen in and taken something precious, and now they feel hopeless and helpless. This this was the death of a friend and a leader, but it was more. It was, it was the death of their dreams. It was the death of hope. It was the death of a calling of their why, of their purpose in life. And, and as surely as Jesus' body is in the tomb, life that once seemed free and full of possibility now seems imprisoned and drained of hope, like life is somehow over. This series of More Than Bread is almost over. When when it's all said and recorded, we'll have been in Mark's gospel for 38 episodes. I'll do one more wrap-up of the gospel of Mark after this episode, and then it'll be a little bit of a break. I'm, I'm hoping to be back in August to start the prison epistles, if I can carve out the time. But for now, welcome to episode number 103 of the podcast, More Than Bread. Today, we're starting in Mark chapter 15, verse 40, and we'll go through Mark chapter 16, verse 8. The the best and oldest and the majority of the manuscripts of the Gospels end Mark's Gospel at verse 8, and that's where we'll stop as well. So Mark describes the next few hours after Jesus' death as I read Mark 15, verses 40 through Mark 16, verse 8. Some women were there. And again, from the last episode, remember, we're talking about the cross, Jesus dying on the cross. Some women were there at the cross with Jesus, watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. And many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. So before I go on, just just realize this, think about this. I, I would say, from what I can tell, primarily women there for Jesus at the cross as he dies. This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. And as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk. 
He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Now, Joseph was an honored member of the high council, but he was also waiting for the kingdom of God to come. So, so in other words, Joseph was it kind of was a, a bridge. He, he was he, he had one foot in both camps, a member of the high council of the Jewish religious leaders, but he was also intrigued with Jesus. He was waiting for the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus preached about all the time. He was waiting for the kingdom to come. Verse 44, Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman officer and he asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth, and then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. And then very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll the stone away, stone for us from, from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel was an angel. The angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. I'm not going to talk about that, but I love those two words. Oh my goodness, I love those two words, including Peter, even Peter, even Peter, the one who denied, even Peter, the one who fell. Go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. That's where the gospel of Mark ends. They said nothing to nobody because they were scared. Now, on the other side of the empty tomb, way forward where we live, we know that Jesus is risen and resurrection power, Paul says in Ephesians, has been let loose in the world. A flourishing life is available now. Everything we need to be able to leave a mark in the world to live well and finish well is available now. Jesus living his life in us is available now. But as the story unfolds this weekend, the disciples are in this in-between time. Let me say that again. They're they're living in this in-between time. It's a time in between hopeless and hopeful. They they don't know what's available, so they aren't living like what's available is really available. It's life in the in-between. Can you relate to that? As a follower of Jesus, do you ever feel like you're living life in the in-between? Like you're not quite hopeless, but you're not quite hopeful. You leave you, you believe in God, but you don't really have a vital relationship. Your faith seems like duty, and you're not really sure God cares. You don't consider your life broken, but on the other hand, you hear these promises about abundant life, and you wonder if you're missing something. Like, life is in a groove, but every once in a while, the groove seems like a rut. <laughs> Sometimes we wake up to find ourselves in the in-between life, and we don't even know how we got there. And when, when you realize it, all you can say is, how did I get to this place, this dryness in my soul. In fact, sometimes the in-between life even looks like success. Mark's story today gives us some pretty powerful principles for living, no, 
for leaving <laughs> for leaving the in-between life. And, and and the first one is found in, in verses 1 through 3 of Mark 16, the, the beginning of chapter 16. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. And very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, oh my goodness, I, I, I put that in there, oh my goodness, Who's going to roll the stone away from us for us from the entrance to the tomb? I'm not, now think about these women, Mary and Mary, two and Salome, two two women stuck smack dab in the middle of the in between. That they had invested some of the best years of their lives in this man called Jesus. They had followed him and listened to him and served him and dreamed his dreams. And and now in just a, a day, it was over. Jesus was dead. They they watched. They were there. They watched as Jesus died. They watched as Jesus was laid in the tomb and the stone rolled closed on life. And three days later, Mary and Mary were the first ones to make their way to the tomb. John in his gospel tells, it was, tells us it was still dark before sunrise. And, and you know what? They, they don't know that this is the first Easter. I mean, there's no hint that something extraordinary awaits there. They aren't wondering what they'll say if they see Jesus. They have an appointment with a corpse. It is not the anticipation of something better that leads them up the mountain to the tomb. But but hear me. It is faith. Because sometimes faith is nothing more than placing one foot in front of the other, even though you don't know why. Sometimes faith is nothing more than seeking God, even though you're not sure he's there. Sometimes faith looks an awful lot like duty, even if you've lost hope that it matters. It's going to church, even if you don't think you'll get anything from it. It's reading the Bible, even though you don't believe God will speak. It's it's giving when you don't think it'll help. And I think if Mary and Mary were here today, they might put it this way. If you want to leave the in-between life, sometimes you have to take steps of faith in the darkness. Well, what does that look like for you right now? Do you need to take a step of faith in the darkness that is your marriage? Maybe it's a a recommitment to pray for someone you gave up on. Maybe it's an act of kindness for someone who loves to belittle you. Maybe it's maybe it's deciding you're going to quit the party scene, even though everyone's doing it. Sooner or later, God will reward steps of faith in the darkness. He'll He'll bless your perseverance. Just don't give up. In verses 5 and 6, Mark tells us, when they entered the tomb, they saw this young man clothed in a white robe. They were shocked, but the angel, it was an angel, not a young man, said, don't don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who's crucified. He he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Mark tells us that on the way, the women remember that large stone. Who's going to roll it away so that we can go in, they asked themselves. But Matthew tells us that before the women arrived, there was a great earthquake and, a, and an angel descended from heaven and came, ro- rolled back the stone and he sat on it and, and, and he had to be grinning, right? I mean, don't you think maybe even roaring with laughter, not at the women, but for the women, laughing out of the sheer joy of being given this assignment to shock the duty out of them. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Why was the angel there? Did Jesus need an angel to move the stone from the tomb so that they couldn't keep him dead? Of course not. See, I think God looked down from heaven and saw two women making their way through the in-between. And he called over an angel and said, hey, go move that stone. 
so that those two women can see that those who put their trust in God will not be disappointed. I mean, can't you just see these women amazement spreading to wonders? They realize the gift they've been given. But but what if halfway up that mountain, in the dark, discouraged and sad and wondering who in the world was going to move an immovable stone, what if Mary and Mary had sat down, looked at each other and said, you know what, what's the use? It's over. God doesn't care. God isn't able. And then they turned around and went back home. You know what? Jesus still would have risen from the dead. But Mary and Mary would have missed an amazing blessing and the opportunity to begin to step out of the in-between. Listen to me. The resurrection changes everything. On the other side of the tomb, no matter how dark our days, we can hope in our hearts. We can with hope in our hearts say the best is yet to come. Next principles in verse 7, the angel says to the women, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you before he died. Here's the principle. Sometimes we got to go back to Galilee. What does that mean, go back to Galilee? Well, Galilee was where the disciples first encountered Jesus. There were places in Galilee that held deep personal meetings, sacred memories, places where Jesus taught them life-giving truths, personal places. Go back to Galilee. In his book, Jesus, Mean and Wild, Mark Galley writes these words. He says, the first step in finding the real Jesus is to recognize that he's not here. He's not in one's life as he should be. He's gone. It is to realize that we've been following a fake Jesus and that imposter is as good as dead. The real Jesus is long gone and he's waiting for us in Galilee. Galilee is the beginning of things. Galilee is where Jesus was first revealed to us. To go to Galilee means to remember what it was about Jesus that first connected with us. Explore those things. Remind yourself of those things that first drew you to faith. Return to the alluring, mysterious, captivating Jesus who first attracted you. What would it look like for you to go back to Galilee? Probably in some of our minds, that phrase, you can never go back, just came into your mind, didn't it? Sometimes we think we're too far gone. We've been stuck too long. But don't forget what the angel said to the ladies. Go tell the disciples, including Peter, including the one who messed up, including the one that didn't keep his promise, including the one that denied Jesus. Listen to me. You've never gone so far that you can't go back to Galilee. So verse 8, the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. In most of the best manuscripts, this is where the Gospel of Mark ends. Mark gets pretty real. He talks about fear all the time. And this may or may not be where this Gospel ends, but it's not. We know this. It's not where the story ends, is it? See, in the Word of God, fear does not get the last word. I'm convinced that fears are one of life's greatest restraints. More dreams are lost, more hope is drained, more relationships go unreconciled, and more good is left undone because of fear. But fear need not have the last word because the resurrection of Jesus proclaims that life is available and the best is yet to come. You know, some of you listening to me, you've experienced resurrection, but it was a while ago. And over the course of the years, you, you've done everything you could to starve it out. Maybe not intentionally, but you'll go for weeks without feasting on God's word. You, you play with sin like it's a carnival ride instead of Russian roulette. Can you remember what it was like in those moments when the, when the life of God first coursed through your heart? And, and don't you want that back? 
some of you are at least slightly interested in God's offer of life, but what what you're really looking for is plastic surgery more so than resurrection. You still want to hang on to certain parts of your life that you think you can manage. Just give God the parts you can't. Make it look good, God. Hey, that's not going to work. You're dead. <laughs> resurrection only works if you give him the whole dead thing. And, and if that's where you're at this moment, chances are good that right now the life you're leading feels kind of okay, maybe even in some ways good. But, you know, what if there's a life available to you that is so amazing, so filled with purpose and meaning and beauty and vitality that it would make all the good you think you have seem like rotting flesh? I mean, wouldn't you want that? You're so tired of the in-between. God's been at work pouring out grace, kissing your soul, but... But you're unsure. There's something in you that wants what you've heard, wants life unrestrained. You, you want to believe, but you're not sure that you can believe. You have doubts. Listen to me. This dissatisfaction within you is grace. God has already kissed your soul. To even want to believe is evidence of God's grace poured out for resurrection. So take a step. I, I don't know what that is for you. Take an extraordinary step. You say, what is extraordinary? Extraordinary is just, it's just a little bit extra beyond ordinary. Take a step. Do something. Take a step of faith in the darkness. Even if it feels like duty rather than joy, don't give up. Step by step after step after step. Go back to Galilee, where it all started. Take some time and 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 remember, return, dive in again. Re- remember what it was that first attracted you to Jesus. What, what did you do? Take a step. What's your next step? Uh, let me read again in the message, starting in verse 42. Late in the afternoon, since it was the day of preparation, that is Sabbath Eve, Joseph of Arimathea, a highly respected member of the Jewish council, came. He, he was one who lived expectantly on the lookout for the kingdom of God. Working up his courage, he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate questioned whether he could be dead that soon and called for the captain to verify that he was really dead. Assured by the captain, he gave Joseph the cor- corpse. Having already purchased a linen shroud, Joseph took him down, wrapped him in the shroud, placed him in a tomb that had been cut into the rock, and rolled a large stone across the opening. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, watched the burial. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they could embalm him. And very early on Sunday morning, as the sun rose, they went to the tomb. They worried out loud to each other, who will roll back the stone from the tomb for us? Then they looked up and saw that it had been rolled back. It was a huge stone, and they walked right in. They saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed all in white, and they were completely taken aback, astonished. He said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus and the Nazarene, the, the one they nailed on the cross. He's been raised up. He's here no longer. You can see for yourself that the place is empty. Now on your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there, exactly as he said. They got out as fast as they could beside themselves, their heads swimming and stunned. They said nothing to anyone. (laughs) Jesus, we know (laughs) that the nothing to anyone didn't last long. Before long, everyone was talking about your resurrection. Everyone who was a part of your tribe, everyone who was a part of your 
your your group, your family, your your disciples. They were all talking, and and before long, you you appeared to hundreds and hundreds more. And, and before long, as you ascended into heaven, this this small group of people became filled with the Spirit of God, and and they started a movement. And and now here we are, Jesus. Here we are. Some of us need to go back to Galilee. We need to renew our first love. We need to remember. We need to repent. And we need to we need to dive back into the mysterious wonder of who you are. Some of us need to go back to Galilee. Some of us just need to not give up. We need to take another step, even though we're not sure that it matters. God, that's where some of us are at. Some of us listening right now, God, would you give us the courage and the perseverance to to continue on no matter what, to take another step in the darkness? It doesn't seem to to us in the moment like it's faith, and yet you, you look on it as faith. Would you see our faith as we take another step? Jesus, I pray that you would amaze us with resurrection power, the resurrection power that has been let loose in the world. We need it. God, some of us listening, we we need it so badly right now. Would you pour out resurrection power upon us? Would you deepen our hope? Would you give us new hope? We ask all these things in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.